You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. It's time for Tech Fan. We talk about evil companies, Microsoft laying off 18,000 people, Manuel Noriega, uh, IBM, Apple, a whole bunch more. Check it out. And it is Tech Fan Podcast number 170, 170 episodes in. And it's still me, Tim Robertson, and him, David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. We're getting a little organized here. We've got actual show notes to go through. It's actually making me sweat. It is making you sweat. <laughs> I'm just not so not used to it. It's actually making me feel slightly uncomfortable. You'd, you'd be used to it if you would have contributed some notes to the show, guy. Okay. <laughs> well, I you actually set up, you set it up. I set up the document which it, we're using. So. Yeah, and we're using uh, the iCloud in the sky pages, and uh, it's, it says says beta right there on it, which is retarded. But uh, you know, my suggestion was to use uh, Google Docs, mm. and you said, "Ugh, not Google Docs." And you did it in pages. You went and set it up. You put our, you made it look all fancy schmancy. Um, yeah. And, it, and it's, it works. Yeah. Uh, although not real well because the show notes for just this one blended right down into the next show notes. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I, think that's use, I think that's user error by, by the person writing the show notes. Well, it's we, because it didn't do a page break the way it should automatically. So I'd have to literally go in and add a page break, which is... Don't. Uh, well, it I, I depends what you're doing it on. I mean, I uh, if we if you're on the website, yep, I am. You're on the web version. That, that so, so that might be why. I I was kind of expecting you to um, do it in pages on your Mac. Nah, keep it online. So I mean, look, I'm I'm here on a uh, Windows RT tablet, and I can see it fine. So I'm running pages on a Windows RT tablet, which is kind of cool. Yeah, you can see it fine. But if you go down to the bottom of the show notes, you'll see that it. It pushed it down onto the next page, the show notes for the next episode. I see. I see yeah. what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, so it's, it just needs a bit of tweaking, that's all. Yeah. Probably a, Actually, a no, mar- it didn't. It didn't. It did do the page break, break correctly. My mistake. The problem is it's still putting the header on the next page. Yeah. And yeah. That, that, That's probably my fault for the way I've set the document up. But there is a reason I didn't want to do it in Google Docs. Yeah, so what is the reason? Because I happen to like Google Docs. I think it's a good solution. I I think it's a good solution, apart from the fact it's operated by Google. So (laughs) what is your... Now, you had a problem with Facebook, and you still do. And it's kind of the same thing with Google. So so something happened to me a couple of weeks ago. They didn't touch you inappropriately, right? Uh, Google! Well, they might have done. I didn't notice. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It may come out later on. Um... I was sat one morning on my iPad, and I was searching something for Amazon on Amazon, uh, and I was using the Amazon app on the iPad. So I wasn't on the the real internet. I you kind of assume with the, an Amazon app that you it's just you your client on your end talking directly to Amazon servers. Yep. Yeah. So I'm searching for things. I don't know whether I bought something I can't remember. Anyway. <laughs> That evening, I go onto my 
MacBook Air and I'm using the internet and I get a, uh, a an ad served for me from a Google search for the thing I was looking for on Amazon that morning. So when you were on Amazon, let's back up. When you initially did the search for the product, did you look for it directly on Amazon or did you do directly on Amazon in the Amazon app? Uh, But Google have managed to get their hooks so far into everyone's internet browsers that they are, I don't know whether they're taking data from Amazon or um, whether, whether something to do with transactions between me and Amazon can be picked up by Google or whether there's uh, something in Safari on one of my machines that's able to pick these things up. So where did you see the ad for the product on Amazon? On, on, on a completely separate device on my MacBook Air. But what website were you on? Uh, I, well, I was on Google's website. I was on the Google search engine. Okay, so that ad was actually pushed to you from Amazon, not Google. Um, eBay does the same thing quite often when I go to another website after I've looked up something on eBay I see an ad for eBay in fact I even see this in Facebook I see it right there and it says well because they're tracking you've tied something together at one point or another the point is how does Amazon know if I was on my iPad, that it's now me on my MacBook Air on the Google website. And I know how that is because Google likes you to log into everything for a better experience. Yep, that's true. And for better experience means allowing people to push freaky, creepy ads at you. Yep. Yeah. So I, I at that point, I decided that I was pretty much done with Google. I don't need Google. Um, and I have stopped using Google. Um, I'm now searching for stuff in Bing. And you know what? My life hasn't changed pretty much. Um, and uh, I don't get those sorts of ads anymore. So I'm curious if someone was using Safari, was not signed into Google services at all, looked on both eBay and Amazon, would those ads for that product show up on other websites? In other words, is it or is it not Google tracking you, or is it Amazon and eBay? It's probably an unholy alliance of the three of them. But the point I'm the point I'm getting to here is that when I use Amazon, I expect Amazon to track me because that's the deal. That is the the thing. Yeah. When I use Google, I'm trying to search the internet. I'm not interested in ads. I'm certainly not interested in targeted ads from other things I've been doing. And the the difference is is that. Amazon are an e-commerce company. eBay are an e-commerce company. Yeah. And Google is an advertising company. Google's an advertising company. Yeah. So whereas I'm interested in the payback I get from using Amazon, I'm not interested in the payback I get from Google. That's the thing. I I just and I don't like the way that you are constantly forced to uh, or or directed psychologically pushed towards login. You know, join this, join that. Oh, we can we can join things up for you. We can make things happen in the background. And and the if if you didn't notice it, it would be fine. The whole point about web ads is that you kind of they're kind of semi they're semi semi subliminal. But this wasn't. This was like a great big thing right at the top of the Google page, and it it just stuck out to me. You know, these guys are sat over my shoulder watching what I'm doing, and I'm not interested in it. I don't need to use the ad searching company to search the web there are other people so i made a choice and now, the problem i know with- for a fact it is google searching you because exactly the same thing happened to me with ebay i was looking up 
we had talked, oh, I don't know, a while ago about the first computer I ever bought, right? I looked yeah. it up on uh, eBay. I thought maybe it'd be cool to, to get it again. It's an old Mattel uh, Aquarius. It's a horrible computer. It's half computer, half game system. And they're, they're going for way too much money for what they're actually worth on eBay. People are on crack there or something. And I looked at one. It was a complete listing. It had pretty much everything that ever came with it. The guy wanted $499, which is about $425 more than it's actually worth. But I looked at it. I just wanted to see what he had. Closed the browser. A couple days later, I log into, well, it's automatically logged into Facebook. And I'm using Chrome. And there's an ad from eBay in my timeline. Still interested? And there's the listing that I looked at. Out yeah. of curiosity, I clicked it. It went to a Google page for a split second before going to eBay. Which means, clearly, it was Google who was pushing that ad, not eBay. Yeah. Now, I'm sure eBay pays them for that, but it was clearly Google tracking my what web pages I'm on and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I got a little bit more curious, David. Um, I actually turned on private browsing mm-hmm. and I went back and looked at a few things and sure enough, those showed up in my eBay too, or on my Facebook page later, even though I said I was on private browsing. So they didn't respect yeah. the privacy setting at all. Yeah. I look, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that Google are wrong for doing this. You know, it is their business. This is the deal. The point is, is that the kind of the deal we, we all signed up for with Google, when we were starting with it, we didn't sign up for it. You know, back in the day when I first started using Google, they weren't an ad company. They searched the internet. And it, over time, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I understand they're doing a big, big job for free. And they've got to make money, and that's fine. But I've decided I don't want to participate in that. Fair enough. And uh, and so I'm, I'm using, you know, don't get me wrong, Bing does advertising as well, but... Um, Seems the less difference, intrusive. Well, the difference with Bing appears to be that while while making money off ads is part of what they do, it's not everything they do. Well, Bing, Bing is owned is, by Microsoft, so Bing is owned by Microsoft, and Bing is part. The, the primary reason for Bing to exist is to support Microsoft's other services, and that's a trade-off I'm happy to make. Because Why? the point, be, be, because. I know what I'm getting there, and the point is, is that the ad is the ad revenue is not the be all and end all. And we're already starting to hear these stories now of of Google serving up ads that are uh, serving up in their search results results that are paid for, and and you know the 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 people who advertise more with them are coming up higher in the search results. They're gaming their own algorithm to promote people. Now that's something Microsoft doesn't do, but their ads are just at the side just the top, the way Google used to be. And so for the moment, I make that choice. And if Bing starts doing that, then I'll move to something else. Fair enough. Um, I know, like... But, I, but the, the, point, the point, going back to what the original was saying, what I don't want to do is do the show notes in Google. Right. Uh, because if you use Google Docs, you're again, you're, partic- you're giving them information that they're going to use for advertising. And I don't want to do that. When I use uh, Pages, and when we use iCloud... I feel that the the deal we have with Apple is that they're not going to use look through our data for the purposes of selling advertising. So I'd rather do that than use Google Docs. Fair enough. Interesting. I'm not sure where I come down on it. Um, 
you know, you and I both have products coming to us here. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm yep. not sure when they're going to get shipped out. I assume probably within a week or two. Uh, and I'm going to be reviewing and taking a look at a Chromebook. And the reason I want to do that isn't necessarily for myself. I have a laptop. I have a 15-inch 11, uh, 2011 MacBook Pro, right? I don't need a Chromebook yeah. in my life at all. But I'm kind of curious. My youngest daughter, the 11-year-old, loves her MacBook. She uses it all the time. But almost everything she does, she's looking up pictures of kittens and dogs and then she's using a, a text edit program to, to copy pictures and paste it in there. And she writes little stories about it. She has a whole little clan of dogs. I don't, it's not my thing. I don't quite understand what she's doing, but she's having a good time doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was curious, everything she's doing, she could be doing online. So I'm going to set up a new, not necessarily a dummy account, but an account on the Chromebook with a new Google user. And I'm going to let her use that for a while and see if she can actually do everything that she wants to do on the Chromebook and see how easy it is for her, um, how easy it is to, to use the Google Docs and what kind of a, you know, does copy and paste work really well? Because remember, there is no local applications. There is no local operating system. It's all done via the cloud, basically, right? That's yeah. that's the thing with the Chromebook. I want to see if she can actually do it. Can she actually use it like a regular computer? And will she know the difference at all? So I think it's going to be a good experiment. We'll see how it goes. And uh, obviously, we'll talk about it here on the Tech Fan Podcast when it comes out. What are you going to be looking at? Uh, I'm looking at an Asus uh, transformer pad. <clears throat> which is is kind of uh, it's a an Android tablet that slots into a keyboard dock. So you know, imagine like an Android version of the uh, of the Microsoft Surface, uh, and that's kind of kind of the the market they're sh- they're shooting for. So it's kind so, of a laptop, uh, but not really. It's still a yeah, touch basically. Screen, if, you, but... if you imagine, you know, kind of like when you get an iPad and you get one of those um, one of those docks, it, it one of those um, cases that it that it sits into that gives it the keyboard. It, it ends up looking a little bit like that. Interesting. I'm so, looking you know, forward to hearing what you think about those. Yeah. So that's that should be pretty interesting, and that's going to be upcoming here on the Tech Fan Podcast. Obviously, we have to wait for the products to arrive first. Um, and there's a couple other companies that we're in preliminary talks with about getting products that traditionally, as part of MyMac.com, we would not have reviewed. But, of course, the mandate here on Tech Fan is we're not just a Mac or an Apple focused podcast we're more about technology in general so like david i like other things other than mac stuff and and apple stuff i like a lot of different stuff and uh you know anybody who's listened to this podcast for a long time knows that we have an affinity for those products that's what we record the podcast on that's my computer of choice but there's a lot of other tech things out there that i'm very interested in including windows pcs uh including android including Chromebooks. Um, and, you know, we've talked about video games quite a bit. And I'm really curious on where Microsoft products are going in the future, to be honest. And speaking yes. of, we, oh, let me first back up before that. That was a great transition, by the way, for the next Oh, I, I, it was skillfully done. It was. However, last episode, um, we talked about this uh, 
giveaway that we're doing yeah. with Feral Interactive and the MyMac Podcast. We're giving away on this show two codes to Lego Marvel Superheroes for Steam on Steam. And I, I kind of goofed up a little bit, David, and and you didn't catch it either. I no. said the deadline will be June 24th. Well, obviously, and I've had a couple people now point this out to me in submissions. It's actually July 24th because <laughs> we're already past June 24th. So, uh, yeah. So the deadline is July 24th, 2014, uh, midnight-ish or so. If you get your submissions in before then, you'll be in the uh, giveaway and we'll randomly select two people to get those codes and i'll just email the codes directly to you we're not turning your information over to feral interactive we're not sharing it i'll probably delete your contest entry after i've already picked the winners randomly uh so you don't have to worry about a privacy thing we're not going to share it with google and <laughs> freak david out um <laughs> we're we're gonna email you directly the codes and then we'll talk about it on the next Tech Fan Podcast, 170, was it 171? Yeah, 171 will announce our two winners. And Gaz and Guy will do the same thing on the MyMac Podcast when they give away three copies of the game. So uh, to enter, you just send an email in to contest at mymac, M-Y-M-A-C dot com. Contest at mymac dot com. Just uh, put Lego in the subject line. That's all you have to do. You don't even have to put your address no phone numbers, none of that stuff. Just send an email there, and we will randomly select two winners here. So with that, David, back to a regularly scheduled show notes programming. Microsoft is announcing that this holiday season, David, they're going low-end PC, which I don't know why this would even remotely surprise anybody, because isn't that kind of what Microsoft's always done? That's... Well, but this is the say, this is the extreme yeah. low end. This is this is yeah. This is um, kind of a, it harks back to the old netbook thing, which kind of came and went. Um, though the, when the netbook arrived, I think it caught kind of caught Microsoft on the hop. Yep. But I remember the first um, the first netbook I had ran Windows XP, venerable Windows XP, and um, yeah, one of the things that kind of drove. A reduction in Windows licensing pricing was the explosion in netbooks. Um, so yeah, they are. They they had their partner conference this week, and the partner conference is Microsoft doesn't really have a sales force. So the partners, their reseller program effectively is their sales channel, um, and so they bring they take all the all the partners up to uh, I think it was in Washington D.C. this year, uh, and talk to them about their their marketing plans and uh, product plans for the next twelve months, and so they announced that. Um, HP and Acer are both going to be uh, HP, Acer, and Toshiba are going to be launching extremely lowly priced laptops rather than um, tablets uh, for the holidays. Um, Two hundred fifty dollars for a fifteen-inch Acer Aspire laptop. And HP uh, Stream. HP Stream, um, which we don't have specs on, specs on because presuming that's that's a new device, so we've not seen that before. Um, but that will be that will be one hundred ninety nine dollars. They're all running Windows eight point one, of course. Yep. Uh, and then also at two hundred fifty dollars, a Toshiba eleven point six inch laptop that's got. Um, basically, this is for like a very thin light netbook. Yep. Eleven eleven inch screen, thirty two gig SSD. I mean, two forty nine, um, man. Wow. 
It'd be interesting. I'd be, be interesting to see whether the rise in, particularly in the low end of the tablet space, you know, the eight-inch tablets like the iPad Mini and then the all the Android ones and everything, whether that comes from the fact that people like tablets or whether people just like cheap devices. Well, you know, uh, when these things get HP is also going to release uh, the Steam PCs, uh, seven and eight-inch versions, starting at ninety-nine bucks. Yeah. I don't know how Microsoft even makes money or HP makes money at that price. I think I think Microsoft isn't making any money on those. I don't think they're charging for, or if they're charging for the Windows cost there, they're charging a nominal figure. That's got to be Windows is, RT on there, doesn't it? Uh I would not necessarily. I mean you can get you can get Intel chip sets pretty cheap now, so it doesn't absolutely have to be RT. Um I I I'm not sure, I've never well we've never seen an RT PC in terms of a a laptop form factor running RT. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how those look at because HP are not giving us specs at this point, so we don't really know. Um, but I think this this shows the way Microsoft is going. They are much more about they're trying to build more of an ecosystem now, um, and much in the same way that Apple does by not charging for OS X, they'd rather have people running Windows and then being able to use their services. Uh, than people not running Windows and then maybe using their services or maybe using something else. I don't know, man. So, I'm looking at this Acer Aspire ES1. 249 yeah. bucks, 2.1 gigahertz Intel Celeron, 500 gigabyte hard drive, 4 gigs of RAM, and a 15.6 inch screen. That sounds like a pretty darn good laptop for 249 I mean, well, wow. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it is... It's old specs, but the point is, is that one of the one of the advantages we have in the world we live in now is that the power of computing has got to the point where it far outstrips ninety percent of the demands we make on it. Absolutely. If you want, if you want a student laptop to just uh, do some some document writing and a bit of email and web browsing and research and maybe play a bit of music on, uh, play the odd simple game kind of flash games and that sort of thing that machine's going to do you very well as 250 dollars is almost within pocket money reach in terms of today's teenagers you want to go with the faster machine they've got the uh the toshiba for the same price 249 it's only got an 11.6 inch screen so it's more like a macbook uh, air the little 11 ones uh but it's got a 32 gigabyte ssd so you're not going to put a lot of games or anything on there but it's an ssd yeah it's only 2.4 pounds those low-end SSDs are pretty crappy. Yeah, um, but still for two forty-nine. Yeah, I, I, the point is, is, is yeah, this is the sort of thing where a, you know a teenager can go out and do a few weekends of mowing lawns, and they've got the money for that. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's certainly within kind of uh, for 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 plenty of teenagers. You know, a little bit of saving, a little bit of birthday money type thing where they can go out and buy their own computer, um, and. Yeah, the, and I think this is the strategy. Is uh, I mean, the, the 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 slide that Microsoft shows six things these things can do that a Chromebook can't. You know, and run full office. Right. I mean, there's uh, a lot of advantages over a Chromebook, but of course, the proof is going to be in the pudding. With that being said, David, what do you think of this? Do you think this is a good move for Microsoft and their PC partners, or do you think that this is a game that Google's already won when it comes to the Chromebooks? Uh, well. We don't, we don't have reliable figures about how the no. Chromebooks are selling. Because Google doesn't give that information. Google doesn't give them. So we don't know. I mean, we 
yeah, they top they top the the selling list on Amazon. But what we, you don't the problem without using Amazon's metric is you don't see what the return rates are. That's right. Amazon has very flexible returns, and so for all we know, people are buying them and a lot not liking them and sending a lot of them back. So we don't know how well these things are selling. I I can tell you that certainly here in the UK, you go into computer stores and electronic stores, and there will be one or two Chromebooks, but they are not dominating the shelves which to me suggests they're not dominating the sales either um so i I just don't know um and you do worry certainly in the store you worry that people buying chromebooks are buying them because they don't realize it's not a full laptop that's right Uh, and they get it home then they realize it's not a full laptop and um then you know they they get frustrated having said that i know a couple of people who have them and and think they're really great so who knows really um it's it's very difficult to tell um the only thing I would say is what the advantage Microsoft has with these devices is that they are full computers. They are kind of what people know. Um, and those prices may look very compelling. Now, as you say, the proof is in the execution. These are not Microsoft provided devices. So they come from HP. They come from Toshiba and Acer. They presumably are going to have crapware on them to try and help just uh, raise some margin. I hope not. Um, well, I bet they will because because yeah. uh, Acer are not going to be ha- making any money on a two hundred fifty dollar fifteen inch laptop. So, but if they can make ten dollars per unit on crapware and bundled stuff, then they're probably going to do that. And that is what kills these machines. Yep, absolutely. Because they, they what they can't what what a machine of this class can't really do well is run things in the background. And if you put you know antivirus programs and. Uh, Search, search tool, search toolbars, and things that I had one the other day. Um, God, it it drove drove me mad. I was on my on my um, work laptop, and I got an Adobe Flash update, and, and and Adobe are terrible for this. And it installed something that that basically every time I went to search in the any of the browsers on and this is on my work machine, so it's a Windows Seven machine. In any of the browsers, it directed the search to Yahoo. Yep. Yeah, and when you change, <laughs> that's bad enough. But then when you changed it back to Google or Bing, a little thing will pop up in the bottom in the background process. You know, in the bottom right corner, right. they have the, those little background things. That's that um, in a, and it said search protection tool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and what it was doing was protecting me from changing the search engine away from Yahoo to something else. And I never asked for this piece of software. So this is this is basically malware by another name. And and you put that sort of stuff that's sitting there in the background doing things that the user never asked for, and it just kills the performance of the machines. Um, and it's also, and- I think, a violation of trust. And that's my biggest problem. That's always been my biggest problem with Windows, that yeah. they never – Microsoft never bothered to protect the user from this kind of an ecosystem that, if not encourages, comes darn close for the shovelware for and they're going to have to do, do this. They're going to have to do that because it's all very well having trying to build an ecosystem and drive people towards an ecosystem. It's got to be a good experience, and if it's not a good experience, people are going to go elsewhere. And if you don't do take steps to ensure that somebody else doesn't spoil the experience for you, you know, you can have a five star restaurant with the best food in the world and uh, a wonderful chef and everything like that, but if the waiter is a jerk. You're never going to go back there again, right? You know, it doesn't take much to destroy uh, to destroy a, an experience. It's the same with computing as well. I agree. With that, let's take our first break here, David, and uh, we'll be right back. 
Siri, I'm looking for a new Apple podcast to listen to. Any recommendations? I found one new podcast for you, but it looks like they only record themselves drinking and chatting about the latest Apple news and rumor. Well, that sounds great. What's it called? It's called the MacGist Podcast. But Nick, why would anyone listen to that? Well, Siri, alcohol is the anesthesia by which we endure the operation of life. I found these five rehab clinics near you. Would you like directions? Ugh, Siri, enough with the rehab. Just download the latest MacGist Podcast now. I'm sorry, Nick. I cannot do that at this time. Go home, Siri. You're drunk. That's not nice. Eh, what does she know anyways? Check us out over at themacgistpodcast.com. Back here on Tech Fan number 170, uh, I did talk to David about that little scrunchy, crunchy sound that happens occasionally when he's talking. We think it's his microphone cord. He's uh, got it strapped to his test it <laughs> chest. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I like the first one better because if, if you move strap, too much, you're going to definitely know it. I got strap somewhere else. <laughs> he tied it around a few times. Use the sailor's knot. Um, ouch. We'd love to get feedback from you guys. Think, <laughs> let us know what you think of the show and where Dave is putting his mic cords. You can send an email to either Tim or David at techfanpodcast.com or simply go to techfanpodcast and leave a comment right under the show notes and I, I know we're not going to use for a show graphic this episode <laughs> but if you do want to email in and suggest anywhere else you'd like me to put my microphone cord please feel free <laughs> oh man that was almost a slip of the tongue so uh, on our break there David we talked a little bit about our next subject and I thought it'd be probably best to carry it over and that mm -hmm. is staying on the Microsoft theme. Uh, you know, last week we talked a little bit about uh, their CEO. Did we talk about that? I'm pretty sure we did. Their CEO sent out a, an email to all yeah. the staff. How great Microsoft's going to be. So this week <laughs> they come out with communications to all the employees that they're basically, and no basically, but they are laying off uh, 18,000 people. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I, I've seen a couple of comments about this. First of all, 18,000 people, uh, it's just like, uh, that's quite an unimaginable number, but this, they have 125,000 people in the company. A large majority of these people are ex-Nokia, who they acquired. Yep. Um, so like 15, 15 to 16,000 of them are Nokia people that are, yeah, and, and hey, we bought your company, get out. Yeah, I, I mean, it sucks, but I, I suppose the people in Nokia must have kind of seen this coming. I hope most have been looking for it. I have to one. imagine that most of the talented people there um, beat feet as soon as Microsoft yeah. bought them. But but it, it's not so look, – look, business is business. Efficiency and productivity and streamlining are things that businesses have to do. Sure. These things happen. Uh, it's not very nice – on a personal level, it's it's very very horrible, uh, and you know you know from personal experience, you know you've had redundancy before. Yep. Um, it's it sucks. Big and time. I I feel for the people who are going through it, Absolutely. but it, it it is the way business works, particularly when you when in the when you're in mergers and acquisitions. So uh, sad as it is, it is kind of the way of the world. What kind of got to me is and and this sets a worrying tone. Satya Nadella was very well received as the new CEO from Steve Ballmer at Microsoft. 
but his communications to date to it's his terrible. employees have been so full of all of this marketing jargon and, and oblique references and not sp- plain speaking you know and and this one was the same it was full of oh we're gonna we're gonna um optimize process and we're gonna we're gonna the the word synergy was used five or six times and and yet nowhere did it say laid off fired sacked canned yep you know all right now those are uh, some of those terms are, are are less favorable than others but Redundancy is should not be a scary word. If you're if you you can't sugarcoat getting rid of fifteen thousand people, eighteen thousand people, whatever. Yeah, if you're doing it, be a man and say it like it is. Don't dress it up in all this jargon in hundreds of words. It makes sense to me. I mean, you, you if you're to gonna want, rip the bandaid off, just rip it off. Yeah, uh, it, it, I, look, I appreciate that. These these missives are not just for the employees; they are for Wall Street and the investors. And it's all about ensuring the stock the stock price doesn't tank by by coming across the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So fine. So send a confidential letter. Send a, a you know send a personal letter to the people who are going to get get the push. Yeah, but to say, look, thing, you know, you know, this is going to go on for the next year or two. Well, that's another thing as well. If you're going to get, they already know who they're going to get rid of. Get yep. rid of them. Don't. Don't say we're going to spend six months, 12 months getting rid of 18,000 people because that means everybody in the company is looking over their shoulder for the next six months. Absolutely. They're not doing that any kills work. productivity. Even if you know for a fact you're safe, there's probably someone you know that's not safe, and you're going to worry about that person. It's your buddy at work. And, yeah, I, just do it. Don't, don't keep people waiting and guessing. It kills productivity within the entire company. It just does. And Microsoft... I. You know, I was really starting to like some of the things that I was hearing out of there until I started really looking at it. They, they also just killed off their uh, Xbox division that was making original programming. Yeah. They haven't even done anything yet. They were making the, what is it, the Halo series. And they said, you know, we're really going to push to the living room. It's not just about games here at Microsoft. Well, we killed off the, the Kinect. So, you know, that's gone now. You can still buy it if you want. We think most people will buy it separately, but you could buy the base system without, which to me says no one gives a crap about Connect, and we realize that. So we're going to change course again just a year later. Oh, by the way, we're also going to kill off this whole creative thing that we just hired someone to come in and run because uh, original programming, which is so important to places like HBO and Netflix and uh, PlayStation, is Sony's doing the same thing. They're, they're making a series based on... Oh, what is that comic book series uh, by Brian Bendis? Um, doesn't matter. Uh, they're making their own series. What's Microsoft do? Yeah, before they even release a product, nah, they cut the whole thing. It's gone. Uh, uh, is there a less that- forward-thinking company than what Microsoft has been doing? I, I don't. Decisions like that I don't understand. If you if you don't if you don't want them in the company, then fine, spin them off. Give them a chance. Yeah, give them I, I don't a, get give it them at a, all. Give them a bit of seed funding, which for something like that is the sort of chump change that Satya Nadella finds in his office couch. But here's yeah. the thing. Microsoft and Sony have already reported, less so Nintendo, but they've already reported that people are using the PS3, the Xbox 360, PS4, and the Xbox One. 50% of their time, they're doing other things than playing games, which means streaming content, because that's really the only other thing you can really do on those, right? They're watching Netflix and stuff like that. So the writing is on the wall. They're already in the living room. 
Sony is definitely pushing big into this. Powers, that's the series I was drawing a blank yeah. on. Um, great comic book, by the way, if you've never read it. Really, really good. Um, <clears throat> Microsoft was, you know, primed to, to make a go of it. They made a big announcement that Steven Spielberg is helping produce the Halo series. So they created a whole division at Microsoft for original programming. Hell, even Amazon is creating original programming and some good programming too. I've watched two of their series uh, all together that they've had out. Uh, betas, or how you would say betas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a Silicon Valley type of thing. It was a half-hour comedy. It was really funny. And uh, there's another one. John Goodman's in it. I'm drawing a blank. Alpha House. Uh, yeah, which is kind of like, um, it's a bit like uh, House of Cards. Uh, no, not really. Oh, no? House of Cards was a sitcom. Like it no, it's a sitcom. Yeah. It's oh, a right. half-hour so sitcom. Okay. And it was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I keep Google searching season two, but there's nothing because Amazon is so damn secretive about everything. Um, so the writing is on the wall. Creating your own content, especially if, if you own the distribution and the hardware that it's going to be watched on, you're going to make money. Microsoft kills it before the first program even comes out. They're laying off 18,000 employees. Their CEO comes out with these geek speak marketing means absolutely nothing. No one could actually get a a definitive answer from what he's saying. They're killing productivity by not announcing who's being laid off immediately. It's just a colossal F up at this Mm. point. And I, and I had such high hopes for Microsoft. As you've said, and I even reiterated this on OWC Radio when I was talking to Allison, that you know their new tablet is a good device. It actually is. But they don't know how to sell it. Yeah. I, I thought, Steve Ballmer's gone. Great. We're going to get some leadership, finally, and it looked like it, that really knows what they're doing. Man, I'm having huge doubts now. I don't think this guy knows... His ass well, from a hole in the ground. I mean, well, well, maybe he does, but he, he, what he doesn't seem to be able to do is articulate it in a clear way. You know, I'd, I'd have more respect if the guy was saying, "Well, yeah, we're, this is what we're going to do, and this is why we're doing this, and this is where I want the company to go." But three thousand words that say very little, yeah, doesn't help you understand why he's doing the things he's doing. Well, that's and, what a great leader is about, though. We've talked about yeah. that many times on this show. You, look at Apple if you want a sense of what a really great leader is. They've had two of them for the last, what, 15 years? Steve Jobs and Tim Cook. And I'm not biased for Tim Cook simply because he has a fantastic first name. (laughs) He he articulates what his thoughts are, what his plans are, and he executes. And he does a great job. He's very personable. Uh, When he does interviews, you clearly understand where he's coming from. Yes, they don't... uh, pre-announce anything he doesn't give reporters even a hint of what's upcoming but that's the culture of apple and it's working well for them here's microsoft pre-announcing everything then canceling stuff then launching stuff and turn right around and canceling it and clearly a communication problem from the top to both the employees wall street and us the enthusiasts and press they couldn't (laughs) <laughs> and remember, this is just a year after the Xbox 180 fiasco. You know, this is right after Steve Ballmer clearly didn't want to leave the company and was forced out without actually saying so. That clearly happened. That This is a year after Bill Gates is coming back to the company, but 
not as an official role, more as a mentor or however he described it. It is a colossal F up over there right now, David. It really, really is. And <laughs> I, I don't know how they, they pull out of this tailspin. Look, we were talking about earlier this, these cheap laptops that they're going to come out with. I think it's a great idea. I think that's where Microsoft needed to be for a long time. A fully-fledged computer at an affordable price, you'll get some of that market share that you're losing to Apple when it comes to laptops. You'll get some of that back. But other than that, good Lord, could it could it be more of a train wreck right now? No, I, I, it's hard to see. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't – it's just not clear and understandable. That's the problem. Um, and uh, the worry is is that if, if the leadership can't articulate what they're doing or why they're doing it externally to the to people who really need to understand it, the question is is can they articulate it internally and do the people inside the company know what's going on? And at the board level, are they clearly saying what they want to do and how they want to do it, or is it just reactive is it just it uh, there's always very there's always there's always going to be some clearing of the decks between sure. you know, when your ceo comes in and it's going to take him a few months to get his feet on the table and figure out what's going on but and he's been he, at microsoft for 25 years it's well like yeah I, d- I don't coming yeah, in. but but i I'm, I'm giving him the benefit and the doubt that that as ceo you get to hear more about what's actually going on as opposed to just being head of a division or a VP or whatever. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt of that, that it, it takes you time to really get a handle on everything that's going on and what you need to change to take it in the direction you want to go as opposed to your predecessor. So I'm prepared to, to give him that time and give him that opportunity. But now he's starting to make changes and you can't understand why they're happening or, or where he wants it to go. And because the messaging is not there. Yeah, and and you lack do, of you leadership, just, just like is, we've is been it, talking is it, about. Is it just that he's he's writing things down and then he's allowing a, a committee of marketing and PR spin people to polish it up and turn it turn it into what it is, which is just mumbo jumbo, or is it this is the way he he communicates? In which case, Microsoft does have a problem. Well, I think a lot of this stems from the fact that he has been at Microsoft for so long. What they really really needed in that company is an outsider with a fresh perspective coming in and really shaking things up, laying out goals and what the messaging is and defining what Microsoft is going to be for the next decade, at least. Somebody else get with that the, at all. Somebody else with the name of Tim, I think. Yeah, Tim Robertson versus Tim Cook. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> I'll take Microsoft. He can have Apple. Speaking of Apple, though, and clear articulation of plans, Apple made an announcement jointly with IBM, at one time their chief rival, but that ended decades ago. Um, They're partnering up with IBM to really start making a big push with some of Big Blue's big data in business. And I think it was a brilliant move. There wasn't any, what does this mean? And what are they really doing? There was none of that. It was clearly understood what Apple and IBM's goals here in this partnership was. And some people acted like, oh, my God, Apple's partnering up with IBM. Well, they've had two huge partnerships with IBM over the last 20 years. Number one, uh, off the top of my head, IBM and and Apple and Motorola was involved for a while, too, with creating a new operating system. Now, it didn't go anywhere, but they worked with each other for years on Project Pink. Um, that, That went on for many years, and it was such a colossal failure is what led Apple to buy Next. 
Uh, and uh, what's the other one? The Power PC. Apple went to IBM and went with the Power PC for many years. They used Power PCs for a decade and a half before yeah. switching over to Intel. So there was no animosity between Apple and IBM. They've been business partners for at least 20 years, probably much longer. Stuff we don't even know about. And, you know, the point was made that the way IBM works nowadays, they're not even competitors. I mean, IBM no. doesn't really com- IBM doesn't really compete with anybody. It's kind of its well, own thing. They sold thing. their PC business off a decade ago. Yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not really a computer company anymore, IBM. They're a services company. And, um, and that's where with, Apple needs a lot yeah. of help with iOS, really breaking that barrier and really starting to entrench themselves in, uh, you know, Fortune 500 companies at all yeah. levels. Yeah, and, and it's I, what I found interesting about this is it's it's iOS only at the moment. Yeah, they're no not, mention of the Mac at all. No. Um, and... Uh, I think I think that may come in the future. What may come out of uh, out of this is kind of more of a of an enthusiasm for this bring your own device movement into yep. into business and the enterprise, which has been happening anyway. Yep. Actually, what what Apple are doing here is they're capitalising on the fact that people are already bringing their iPads into work. <clears throat> what the IBM partnership does for big corporations is it gives big corporations a way to handle those devices and provide applications for those devices. Yeah, it's been kind of no. slipshod. The, the implementation of that so oh, far yeah. it's been a well, lot I, of different third parties yeah. trying to tie in to and it works but this gives them both ibm and apple the best chance of success and i think this is the, probably the, yeah. very worrisome for both microsoft and google this has got to be I, like oh man I th- I think I think less for Microsoft because oh, they still I think more are. for Microsoft. Well, the point is, is, is they a big have the part most of, to lose. Well, but the the big, but the biggest part of Microsoft's enterprise business is not is not desktop devices. It's in the it's in the server room, and and that that isn't affected by this at all. True. Um, if, if anything, it's strengthened by that because you're going to need Windows servers to run some of this stuff. But um, uh, this is a big problem for Android because Android is. Um, Android is making a little bit of headway in uh, enterprise. It's open. But it's open. <laughs> Android's yeah. open, David. Yeah, except for when it isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, is that it's not secure. There are no decent uh, internal management tools for it. Um, there is the fragmentation problem. You know, Samsung, I think, is probably the biggest enterprise. Uh, they, they're the ones who've really driven their tablets into enterprise use yep. um, and phones, but yeah, by building their own services. So, so they're probably the most threatened by this. Mm-hmm. But the the point about this is that the, I think the other thing that's held Apple back slightly in enterprise management and adoption is that to manage iOS devices to date, you've needed Macs. You need to have Macs to run the software that run that manages the devices, and obviously, if you if you're a Windows house, your Windows IT house, then you don't have Macs, and you don't want to go out and buy Macs just to manage the iOS devices. So people just kind of don't bother. Yeah, but you don't need a, a Mac to run the iOS devices. That's a that's a very common mistake a lot of people make. Um, there's a lot of third-party software that runs on Windows as well as the Mac that will manage all your mobile devices but yeah but the scale of the companies right. delivering those devices is much smaller than mm-hmm. somebody like IBM absolutely yeah. uh, and and also all those management platforms are not 
interoperable with each other. So you kind of... And there's always trade-offs between them. I mean, when I was working at Mac Specialist and we deployed iPads and the management for the Chicago Bulls, um, there was a lot of hoops that we had to jump through just to make things work correctly. That had this partnership with IBM and Apple had already happened a couple years before that, 90% of what we had to do would have been taken care of because it would have been enterprise ready and they simply aren't they're consumer products right now. They really were never meant for business. Apple has slapped some business features in there, but not enough and, and too slowly. So I think this partnership is really about looking forward to the future. It's really making iOS bulletproof in both business and consumer markets for the same device. Yeah. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. I mean, it's to me, it's very interesting. And it really does show the difference between where Microsoft is with their scattershot, you know, uh, approach to everything right now and no clear messaging and Apple. Uh, Wow. It's a huge difference. And Tim Cook, once again, is out front of this really making the right decisions. And, uh, I think I think the the difference between the two companies are striking, David. Yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> one little bit of news that I thought would be funny here, and anybody who hits some of the big tech sites probably saw this. <laughs> Manuel Noriega is suing Activision for exploitation of his images, an image in Call of Duty. <laughs> Manuel Noriega. <laughs> I can, you can only imagine that some lawyer somewhere noticed this and thought, "Hey, here's an opportunity for make some money, make get some billable hours off a bull lawsuit." Because <laughs> what does Noriega get out of this? First of all, most people probably don't remember who the hell he is. For those who are too young, you've probably heard the stories of the dictator who was bombarded by all kinds of music at all, 24 hours a day, like Metallica and stuff and rap music in his compound until he decided to surrender. <laughs> that, that was, was Noriega. That was Noriega. <laughs> he probably so, so never wants to hear Enter Sandman again. He, he used to be the he used to be the head of Panama. Mm-hmm. And for a long time he was an ally of the United States. Yeah, he until was they a find out for the CIA. Yeah, he until they found out that he was actually double dealing on the side with the Soviets yeah. at the same time. And eventually his country got invaded by the US and he was uh, forcibly deposed. Spent some time in the uh, local Vatican compound, which is where the whole Metallica game in. I've always thought, who broke first? Was it Noriega or was it the uh, <laughs> was it the papal envoys surrounding him who couldn't stand Metallica anymore? And he was handed over to the US and he's been, well, he spent some time in US jail. He was then... Uh, extradited to france and spent some jail time there and then now he's doing jail time back in panama and uh this guy's in his 80s he's been in jail for what 15 20 years yeah Uh, and he still has to serve time in both france and the united states when he's done serving time his 20 years 20 year sentence or 20 more years i don't know what i just thought this was hilarious the guy has his lawyers zero chance I would be amazed if the guy's ever even seen an Xbox, let alone his image in Call <laughs> of Duty. Yeah. Um, I can't believe he, he, if he had ever seen it, I mean, I've not played the game, but from what I understand, the storyline is pretty much based on what actually happened. Yeah. So uh, the libel is 
you did the stuff that you're now rotting away in prison for. No, he, be a- <laughs> he wasn't convicted on some of the things that is depicted in the game. Right. Uh, they got him on, like, drug trafficking stuff. That's what he's in jail for. Um, okay. So, in some respects, sure. But here's the other part. He's not an American citizen, so he doesn't have any rights in this country to sue Activision. No. I mean, from just that legal standpoint alone, he's not going to win. Let alone well, all the rest I, of it. I don't know. Can you can you sue somebody for libeling you if you're not a citizen in the same country? There's problems with it. From I, right. I actually did a little bit of research on this before we started recording. There are potentially some really big legal hurdles that they would have to overcome for the case to even proceed. And a lot of them is because he's not a, a citizen of the United States. Well, the, so. the other thing as well is that is that in terms of damages... Pretty much every asset he's ever had has been seized. So if he gets damages, suppose this was true and, and he won a case and he got, I don't know, $500,000 damages for libel. Well, that's just going to get seized. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's not, he's not going to use it to buy cigarettes in prison, is he? I wouldn't think so. Um, the last thing, I get email, well, like you wouldn't believe, David. I mean, I've had publisher at mymac.com as my e- email address for years and years. In fact, if anybody listening to this sends an email to Tim at techfanpodcast.com, it simply forwards to, it's an auto forward address. It simply goes to publisher at mymac.com. And I've had that address for nigh 20 years at this point. So I get a lot of email and one of them came from a website called Ranker. Never heard of the website. I don't suggest you go there because I haven't checked it out or anything, but they had um, a list, a top 10 list, two of them. One was the most internet or the most evil internet companies and the most evil companies. And I misspelled there in the show notes, David. Right. Uh, the first column is actually the most evil, evil companies. And the second one is the most evil internet companies. Yeah. And I thought this was kind of funny. I thought we'd go through this real quickly. Sure. So the first one is the most evil companies in the world. Now, number one. Don't say in the world. Excuse me. Don't say in the world because <laughs> I know there's more evil companies than this. Uh, and not only that, I'm seeing very American companies on this list. Exactly. Many of whom, uh, they may be evil, they've been evil to me. Right. No, number <laughs> one, the most of the most evil companies, Time Warner Cable. <laughs> How is Time Warner Cable the most evil company? Really? Um, number two, AT&T. Which, okay, uh, they get like 200 bucks a month from me. Uh, number three, Bank of America. Well, they're a bank, of course. I mean, they, I mean, one through ten should have just been banks, let's be honest. Well, yeah, but, yeah, but the point is, is yeah, why, why bank, why a retail bank? I mean, <clears throat> yeah, you'd, I have thought that, you'd have thought that the big uh, merchant banks who basically brought the whole world to the brink of financial ruin a few years back might be more evil than perhaps... Your local corner Bank of America, I don't know. Number five, American Airlines. Obviously, the people that contributed to this list are frequent flyers, and they got bumped from flights, and they got sat on the runway one too many times. So, American Airlines. Number six, Comcast. Comcast actually made the news this last week, too, David, and not in a good way. Uh, Ryan Block uh, from Engadget fame uh, called Comcast to cancel a service. And he recorded 
the last eight minutes of the conversation with this guy that had been going on for a half hour at that point. This is after his wife is also um, a podcaster Veronica, and, yeah. and, and Veronica, Veronica Belmont um, had she she got so upset she had to hand the phone to him. I have to say he was chilled. I I am amazed at how calm he, he did, made. Did you this. actually listen to it? Yeah, I listened I did to too. it. So, oh my god! So, it was so, funny. so this is this is one of these things where they where you you go to cancel and instead of just cancelling you they put you through to retention and the idea of retention is to try and talk you out cancelling yep. now most of the time i've dealt with retention part departments and they will offer you some incentives and sometimes that's a strategy you can use if you want cheaper services say i'm going to cancel because you're too expensive they put you through retention all of a sudden the price drops great um but normally they're pretty good at figuring out whether you're the sort of person they can talk around uh, and if they can't talk you around um, they get on then with they, it. They get on with it. Now this guy, this guy had full marks for persistence. This guy contest. Uh, yeah, this this guy basically uh, he would. Uh, well, I'll put it this way: I'm sure during the Second World War he would have been a great uh, inquisitor in the Gestapo because <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't going. He wasn't giving up. No, he wasn't giving <laughs> up. He he was on the verge of being rude, but not. I mean, it was. I don't. I well, can't. It, it was passive aggressive rudeness, yeah. wasn't it? it yeah, was, it, it absolutely was. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, you're an idiot. But the, the implication was there. The implication well, why was, would you want to quit the number one with the fastest why would, speed? Why won't? Yeah. Why won't you tell me why? Uh, why you you want to go to a different service provider? And and it was almost along the road. Well, the least you can do is give me an explanation. Of course, that's then a strategy to try sure, and get you sure. to open up discussion. Uh, and. Um, you know, try and shame you into that. I mean, that's basically what retention departments do. They try and shame you out of cancelling sure. by making by making you feel bad for the fact that you're cancelling. They're just psychological manipulators. It, it was this guy, this guy was a he was a jerk. He was he, a real jerk. He was. I guarantee you, he won't be there much longer. If he well, wasn't you know already what? fired, I'm waiting to hear that actually Comcast are issuing copyright takedown notices against the audio file and are they um, or are you just waiting well, to well, I'm waiting no to hear they that. won't do that it's the it, it, the bad publicity was already there there's nothing that they can do except to try to spin this more positively and apologize they if they try to do takedown notices and stuff it'll blow up in their face and as evil as Comcast may be according to this list they're also not really stupid so I don't expect that at all but it, it was absolutely hilarious to listen to. Just yeah. hilarious. Uh, number seven, Citibank. That's eh, a bank. Number eight, Best Buy. Eh, really? I wouldn't call Best Buy evil on... I mean, not very a good. lot of their... No, yeah, I wouldn't they're not say very they're good. evil. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a difference between it being incompetent, which I've run across a lot of incompetent people that work there. But as a company as a whole, I, I don't have any problem with Best Buy. Uh, number nine, Gold's Gym. Now, I've never belonged to a gym, but I've heard the horror stories of people who joined gyms, uh, and then the gym closes on them or moves location, and they never get their money back. Uh, but I honestly think that this is on here is because a very good salesman sold a lot of people gym memberships, and they never used them. <laughs> Simply by walking around uh, the United States and, and looking at our population, it, it's more than obvious that most people don't go to a gym, including me. And number ten, Ticketmaster. I uh, I understand Ticketmaster. Uh, Ticketmaster, right, is probably the only one on this list I've been inclined to say really are evil mm -hmm. because they are just exploiting 
know, yeah. they are they are gouging people with their business big time. They've turned it. They've They're turned completely business. unethical. Yeah, they've set, they turned the sale of tic- tickets into a monopoly, uh, and then they just gouge, gouge, gouge. Yep. Yeah. The second list. Some of these are the same. Um, the most evil internet companies. Number one, David's favorite, Facebook. Yeah. Uh, I can understand why people would label Facebook as the most evil internet company. Number yeah. one, it's it's the biggest when it comes to how many people visit their website on a daily basis, by far. And what they do with your personal data um, is atrocious. Um, I think I explained once on this podcast, Maria Langer, a friend of mine on Facebook, uh, she used to be a, a pretty big Mac writer. Uh, she's still an author. I know she's doing some, but she's a helicopter pilot now. And she's had a big life change thing. But I'm friends with her on Facebook. I comment on her posts quite a bit. <clears throat> they actually used her name and picture in an ad promoting something she's never even used. And she was incensed by that. Welcome to Facebook. Number two, Comcast. Um, you know, they were number six on the most evil all-time companies. They're only number, or they're, they've moved up to number two on the most evil internet companies. Well, um, Comcast, uh, I, I'm surprised if actually Verizon is on this list as well. But obviously, you can understand it a bit more on this list in that they have taken sides against net neutrality, which obviously a lot of people disagree with. Yeah. And you could view that as being evil, perhaps corporately self-serving. Well, I, I talked about on this podcast a year ago how I finally went and looked at some pricing on their website, and I was paying fifty, no, seventy dollars more than the highest tier that they had at the time, and was only getting half the services of that higher tier. So when I called, very upset, very much considering canceling it and going with another provider for both television and internet. Um, they gave me the highest tier they had and they saved me $70, but they didn't, Did, they didn't contact me. I had to find no, out that I was paying more. They refund you for no, the of course paying not. no, <laughs> no, because it's, it's, it, that's up to me, sir, sir, that that's up to you to, to keep abreast on current prices and plans. Yeah. yeah. Right. Thank you. Number three, yeah. Apple. He- Hello, Google fans. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Number four, Time Warner Cable. Number five, GoDaddy. I've used GoDaddy um, to get very, very cheap host, or, uh, uh, domain registrations. Their website is terrible. But is this another one where they're just not very good, or are they actually evil? I mean, do they do they try and uh, yeah? They, they get, you have to be very your, careful. Yeah, do they get they in your bundle. way about? Yeah, do they get in your way about <clears> actually moving off them? No, well, it, yes, because their interface is so terrible. I don't know if that's right. incompetence or that's pure evil. But they do a really good job of trying to bundle in services that nobody really needs. Um, and you have to look very, very closely to make sure you uncheck stuff that's checked automatically. And I don't like that. But I don't, I don't think they're necessarily evil. Number six, AOL. Really? At this point? Oh, look, there's a dead horse, David. Let's go beat it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, come I on. Say, I say MySpace are evil. Right. MySpace is evil. <laughs> Friendster. Ooh. No. Yeah. It was, I mean, back back when Meg Ryan was using it for her email, for her email maybe. But right. nowadays. Nowadays. To even put AOL on that list, is, it's just beating a dead horse at this point. 
Number seven, and I know you'll kind of agree with this one, Electronic Arts. Yeah, I, I think they are pretty much evil. <laughs> I'm they, they, uh, they, there was a thing a couple of weeks ago where the uh, you remember when when uh, Dungeon was it Dungeon Master came out for iOS? Yeah, it's a port of an old PC game, uh, and they basically destroyed it within that purchase. Yes. and and in fact, they would they they've just been told here in the UK that they can't advertise it as free. <laughs> That's how bad it is, right? Because the Advertising Standards Authority here looked at the game and said, "Well, it's not free because you can't progress without buying stuff, so therefore it's not free. So you can't advertise it as free." I mean, that's how bad they are. Yeah. And what was their response to that? Oh, we innovated too much on that one. Right? Yeah. No, yeah. We're not, we didn't make a mistake. We innovated yeah, too much. We innovated too much. You know, Insulting. we we tried too hard to gouge our customers. <laughs> Shucks. We won't do that again. Next time Jeez. we'll try just a little bit less. <laughs> We won't sharpen our blades quite as much next time. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Microsoft. Maybe at one time I would agree with that. Now I think they're just incompetent. I think I think Microsoft is scared of being evil because they, yeah, they, don't, don't get me wrong, they were, but they, they wouldn't have been number one just a few years yeah. ago. They got slapped down pretty hard by the Department of Justice and the European Union. Yeah, but you know what? This is almost an insult to Microsoft that they've fallen so far in the public eye that they didn't even make the top five of evil companies of internet evil companies that's poor microsoft it's pretty soon they'll be that new aol beating a dead horse number nine google i think they should probably rank much higher oh yeah uh they should probably be right after facebook uh and number 10 twitter really twitter uh, i think I, I can see where this is coming from twitter are, are kind of proto-evil i think <laughs> they're on the way because as they turn into a big company trying to monetize what they do they're starting to pull the sort of tricks that we've seen from google and facebook but they're so limited their technology is so limiting that how can you be it's 140 characters the problem yeah but the problem is is that I, i don't i know you don't use twitter an awful lot anymore and neither do i that much but one of the reasons i don't is because you go and look through your timeline and all of a sudden you'll see something that kind of sticks out doesn't seem to be right why is that there and the problem is the way their interface is you don't it takes you a few moments to realize that effectively it's a it's a tweet ad yeah it's a it's a tweet that somebody has made that has been promoted up and stuck in the middle of your timeline yeah um but even then i I mean oh yeah but you know what they're just going to keep doing that more that i think the reason think i call them proto evil is because they're just going to keep doing that more and more they have some pretty nice picture facilities on twitter now yeah, they have to compete with Instagram, Facebook, and that sort of thing. So, the actually the process of viewing pictures that people have posted on our timeline is actually pretty good. But I, I guarantee you, it's I, I give it two years before you start seeing uh, interstitial banner ads on the bottom of those pictures. Here's the thing with Twitter, though. Uh, I don't think Facebook is going away anytime soon. It's it's too integral at this point for a lot of people because of the limiting factor of Twitter. I think they could go away within the next couple of years, and it, I don't think it would really affect anybody. I think another company could come out with a competing product done right, and it would people would just migrate over. I think yeah. Twitter has the biggest possibility of being the next MySpace or Friendster of any of the big internet companies right now. I really do. And it's not just because yeah. I don't use it a lot, because I do use it occasionally. I, I hit it probably once a day. But it, it's just... It, it's it's not a big deal like they think it's a big deal. Uh, well, I think the thing is you need to be careful about that because 
I think for people like us, it may not be the big deal it used to be, but I think to the public, it is very much a big deal because of that whole celebrity factor. And it I, is, that, but that, again, because of that, they could be supplemented really, really quickly by a competing product that just markets I, themselves to celebrities really well. But I, the the thing is, is yeah, that you've got to remember the marketing with celebrities is two ways. Yeah, the celebrities are marketing themselves on Twitter. And while they continue to do that, I think it will always have a very big audience that goes well outside the tech sphere. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have managed to uh, kind of permeate into the mainstream now. And I think once you've done that, it's it's very difficult for you to um, for, for you to wither away. I know that happened to MySpace, but MySpace was was not as public. It wasn't well, the as internet well. wasn't as big yeah. as it is now. I, 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 th I think Twitter might, might hang around for longer than you think, but we'll see. I didn't say that they won't. I said they have the biggest chance of folding more so than the rest, simply because of the limiting factor of the service itself. But I would see it as a slow decline rather than a uh, collapse. I could see that too. I, yeah. I, I would agree with that as well. Uh, so with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Tech Fan Podcast number 170. We'd love to hear feedback from you guys on any subject that we've talked about or any other subject that you'd like us to talk about or send us your opinion on anything. We'll read it right here on the show. Tech Fan Podcast is the website. Go there and leave a comment under the show notes or send an email to David at... Uh, 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 and that's U H H U H. Uh, yeah. It's David at techfanpodcast.com. And I am Tim at techfanpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, you've only got uh, less than a week to enter the giveaway for the Marvel Lego superheroes on Steam codes. We're giving away two of them. Send an email to contest at mymac.com and uh, you'll be entered in that giveaway and we will randomly select two winners here on this show and announce them uh, on the very next episode so David thanks for being here this week really appreciate it man always a pleasure I'll see you guys and David 